You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Hey, I'm going to make the case for why Fred should and shouldn't be traded. Gary Trent Jr. should and shouldn't be traded. And OG Ananobi should and shouldn't be traded. That's the whole deal. That's what's happening here. But before that, let me update you on all the latest trade rumors, what some people refer to as slop. So for OG Ananobi here, the big thing is that he is one of the most sought after players in the NBA. He's on a fantastic contract. He's an undeniably great player across the league and other teams want him. So... Back in the summer, Jake Fisher reported that, yes, other teams wanted him. OG hadn't asked out or anything like that, but that he had been disappointed with his role. At the time, I said that I agreed with that stance. It made sense to me, and especially when we reflect on what Nick Nurse would say after games, before games, and at practices last season, talking about how important it was that they work possessions in for OG Ananobi. They make sure that they get his touches. Uh, the way that he talked about OG made it seem like they wanted to make sure he was featured, and obviously OG wants that for himself. That is not villainous on OG's behalf. He's currently underpaid. He wants to hit the market with a lot of accolades under his belt, and he wants to show himself as a player who can do a lot more than he's currently asked or given the ability to do. That is what he wants to do. That's what he's pursuing for his career. It's not a bad thing. However, that doesn't really coalesce with what the Raptors are trying to do right now. So, the rumors. Jake Fisher reports that he's unhappy with his role in the summer. Rick Buecher reports it just recently. And Bob McCown reports that yes, and also says that he's trying to get out of town. So everybody reporting the same thing there to varying degrees. Sham Sharanda reports that now the Raptors are taking calls on Ananobi. I'm sure they were receiving calls. I know the newsbreaker semantics, the verbiage is super vague and unclear. I don't know what the difference is. It's the intentionality, the reported intentionality. So I'm not super sure there. And we also have Adrian Wojnarowski reporting that the Raptors could get as much as three first round picks for OG Ananobi. There's also a rumor trade out there of Evan Fournier, the Knicks' first-round pick this season, and two protected firsts along with that. That's the rumored pick that the Raptors have apparently said no to. OG Ananobi responded to these rumors and said that they weren't true and that he can't really help what people report. So take that for what you will. And then additionally, the Suns, the Grizzlies, and the Pelicans are all rumored to be interested in OG Ananobi. The whole league likes him for obvious reasons. When it comes to Gary Trent Jr., a lot of the newsbreakers around the league have indicated that there's a very good chance that the Raptors trade him because of his upcoming contract, where he will definitely reject his player option and hit free agency. Michael Grange has actually reported the inverse, suggesting that the Raptors and Gary Trent Jr. could have a future together, not just uh, for the last game before the trade deadline, but afterwards and into a second contract. It's been reported that Gary Trent Jr. is looking for around $25 million a season. This is less than Tyler Hero and Jordan Poole and RJ Barrett are getting, and it's more than a lot of people are comfortable, I think, giving to Gary Trent Jr. We'll talk more about that later, but this is his reported want. 
And Fred Van Vliet is probably the most difficult to gauge his value on, especially since he's been so, so good lately. And if people are weighing that versus the start of the season, it's tough to gauge the front office, the decision makers. We've heard of really interesting packages out of Orlando, who's supposed to be very interested in him. We've heard about the Clippers and the Lakers also being very interested in Fred Van Vliet. And we just recently heard of a hypothetical trade of Gary Trent Jr., Fred Van Vliet, going to the Lakers for Russell Westbrook and two first-round picks. Um, the first-round picks would be in 2027 and 2029. So I think people would be Raptors fans. The Raptors brass would rightly be, um, I guess, upset with that return. So the case for Fred Van Vliet is really quite simple, and it's mostly to do with the fact that the team might be heading somewhere and Fred might be heading somewhere else as far as their trajectories or what they're trying to accomplish in the short-term future. And Fred Van Vliet started out this season in a very long and difficult stretch, a slump, and it also it affected the Raptors' record. It also will affect how the Raptors make decisions going forward, and he is a guy who has a player option at the end of this season who will more than likely turn that down and is reportedly looking for around $30 million a year. He has also fired his agent and is looking for new representation. Nothing concrete as of yet, but many people have said that he will most likely sign with Clutch Sports. With Fred maybe heading in a different place than the team, there's also been a bit of I guess, friction as far as his role. The first question I asked him at Media Day this year was about how his role might change and it would allow him to really operate as a guy who gets way better shots than he's used to getting, more open catch-and-shoot looks. And he said he didn't care about his role. He said he didn't need need to do anything like that, that he's a basketball player. Later on into the season, he started complaining openly about his role. And doing so in a way that might alienate guys like OG Ananobi and Scotty Barnes, who Gary Trent Jr. perhaps, right? Guys who get more possessions when he gets less of them. And the way that he was presenting these things was as if they were, you know, at a clash. And he clearly had a problem with it. And that's and that's been in pressers. That's also in his interview with JJ Reddick. This is something that's been ongoing. So there's some friction there. And there's also the health factor. He's been quite good lately. But we're looking at a guy who's been banged up a lot over the past two seasons. Yes, he was an all-star, but he had a really tough finish to the end of last season. He wasn't able to make a big impact in the playoffs, and he struggled for a large portion of this season. As good as he's been lately, which is the last 15 games shooting 40% on his catch-and-shoot threes, 39% on his pull-up threes on massive volume, which is really, really impressive, and 54% on his pull-ups inside the arc. He's also been really, really great at supplying his bigs on the roll lately because the Raptors have made that more of a focal point. Also, a fun statistic is that this season, his assist-to-turnover ratio is closer to 4-1 to than it is to 3-1. to He's been really, really good at limiting turnovers. He's been really good lately. And for some people, they say, this is why you keep him. For some people, they say, this is extra trade value. And the biggest reason why I think that you would trade Fred Van Vliet is not because of what's happening on offense. Uh, it's because of what's happening on defense. And the Raptors are better on defense, statistically, with Fred Van Vliet off the floor for the first time in his career. And it's a fairly sizable swing. The biggest difference being that the Raptors allow a way higher percentage at the rim, and that could be correlated. And via the film, I think it is correlated to his point of attack defense, allowing more straight line drives to the bucket. 
Not to mention on the season, he's shooting 34% from three and only 34% on his catch and shoot stuff. If you're worried not only about where this team is headed as far as winning games in the short term future and how Fred and his personality fits with a younger core, the younger timeline, then you look at a guy who is perhaps getting worse at some things at the NBA level and you move him onto a team that's going to not only play him less minutes, perhaps maximize him a little bit more, but also needs those winning minutes from a guard more than the Raptors do because the Raptors have him and they're still not winning games. They're clearly in a position where they need to retool or rebuild. So for Fred, it's mostly about health and the direction of the team. Why you would keep him is if he's perfectly happy to stay on with the Raptors, sign another contract with them in the offseason. If everything is water under the bridge, then it is water under the bridge. And hopefully, even if he does get traded, even if he doesn't, whatever it is, it is all water under the bridge. It is all, you know, amicable and everything like that. But as far as why you'd keep him is if you think that Fred, because of how long that slump he was enduring lasted, that his value is significantly less now than it was in the past. And you believe firmly that Fred is not only going to be, you know, who he was in the past going into the future, but could be a guy who keeps uh, continuing to improve and that that value will be something that not only helps you if you want to trade him in the future, but if you want to keep him for as long as you want and win minutes with him, win games with him. It all depends on how you view that. He's trending in a very positive direction right now. And I wonder if that might give the Raptors some pause and make them believe in what Fred might be able to do in the future for them. And if they think that if they traded him now, that they would be selling low. Masai Ujiri is not a guy to sell low on a player. He is a guy to sell high on a player and buy low, especially via trade. So for Gary Trent Jr., the reason why you trade Gary Trent Jr. is obviously if he's not going to stay, then you need to trade him. You need to get value back for Gary Trent Jr. If he doesn't want to come back to Toronto and sign on with the team and he wants to go make his money elsewhere, then yes, absolutely, you need to trade him. And the other part is what if Gary Trent Jr. is open to coming back to Toronto, but his taste is a little bit rich for you? What if you don't want to pay $25 million a year? Why wouldn't that be the case? Well, that wouldn't be the case if you don't believe in his playmaking growing, if you don't believe that his hottest shooting nights are an example of who he's going to be in the future. It's been something that's been quite volatile, the jump shot. Not his overall offensive game, which has improved and we'll talk about a little bit later, but his jump shot does come up and down from time to time. And the big difference between Gary Trent Jr. and a lot of the other guards who sign these big contracts is that playmaking is not a big aspect of his game. And in fact, it's a very, very small portion of his game. Guys like Jordan Poole and Tyler Hero, and to a lesser degree, RJ Barrett, those guys who signed similar contracts to what Gary Trent Jr. is looking for, they play make and they play make quite well, especially out of the traditional play types that we see in the NBA. And when you play make on possessions, not only does it make you more dangerous, but it makes every single player on your team more dangerous. And it allows possessions to branch out in unpredictable and dangerous ways for the defense. It's a huge piece of Gary's game that's missing. And I don't see any indicators that that would become very good. So we'll have to see. So if you don't believe in the jump shot to a massive degree, if you don't believe in his playmaking improving, and you don't believe that he wants to come back, then you need to trade him and you need to get some value back at the very least. Now, why would you keep Gary Trent Jr.? Well, 
if you believe his jumper is one of the best jumpers in the world, then you have to keep him, I think, because some of the best shooters in the world are some of the most valuable players in the NBA. And while Gary doesn't necessarily fill out the rest of his role like some other really fantastic shooters do, when he's on, he's one of the best in the world. We all know what it looks like. He can go from a standstill, create space, get his shot off. He can wiggle down off of a pick and roll or a dribble handoff, get his shot off. And he can do it against basically anybody. There can be a hand in his face. It can be from a standstill, as I said. He, can, he is one of the hottest shooters in the NBA when he gets it going. If that normalizes, then you're looking at one of the best shooters in the NBA, which is a guy you want to keep a roster and a guy who will not only be worth his contract, but will be more valuable going forward. And not only that, but he's shooting significantly better at the rim this season, 67% there. He's getting to the rim at a career high clip, and he's also shooting 51% in the short mid range on higher volume than last year. Basically, he's taking an extra dribble more often, getting closer to the basket and shooting a higher percentage. And what happens with that? The playmaking opportunities should arise. They haven't been, but they should in the future. Cross your fingers for that. But otherwise than that, which has been happening, his free throw rate went up by a lot. And so that means he's he's diversifying his ability to score quite a bit. And it's why he was able to kind of buoy himself as his shooting slump earlier this season was happening. He's been really, really smart in the way that he attacks off of closeouts. He's been really, really smart in the way that he attacks in these off-ball actions, flares, wide pins, all these types of things, gut DHOs, lots of stuff like that. It's been fantastic to watch him do that. And also, if you believe in his really impressive hands defensively and the ball pressure to continue to get better when he plays, uh, the more minutes he gets at the NBA level, then that would be good too. And he has, to, he has to want to come back to Toronto. All that kind of stuff. If you lean optimistic for Gary Trent Jr., I can see why you'd want to bring him back in. And then OG Ananobi. So why would you keep OG Ananobi? Uh, this one is pretty easy. OG Ananobi is one of the best defenders in the NBA. He is a very good three-point shooter, has been since he stepped in the league. He also cuts extremely well. He, uh, he finishes at the rim very well. And he's not only one of the best defenders in the NBA, he's uniquely diverse. This is a player that anybody who wants to contend, anybody who wants to play high-level basketball in the NBA, you want to be one of the best teams, you want a player like that on your squad. There's a reason that the teams that want OG Ananobi rumored to want him. There's a reason why these teams are either looking to cement themselves as contenders or like the Knicks are trying to cement themselves as a legitimate good team. OG Ananobi has the power to legitimize these teams. That is why you don't want to trade him. He's incredibly important to what the Raptors want to do. I think incredibly important to their future. If he's not happy with his role, he wants more touches, and honestly, he hasn't given you the return on investment of those possessions that he wants to give, that the, that the fans want him to give, that the organization wants him to give. But if this is part of keeping him on and bringing him back and keeping him happy, then if you trade Gary, if you trade Fred, both, whatever happens at the trade deadline, if there's going to be extra possessions for OG Ananobi to take up, then perhaps you'll look at a guy happier in his role. If that's if that reporting is correct, right? 
Over the first 31 games of the season, OG's usage percentage was at almost 22%. Over his last 15, it's all the way down to 18%. And this season, his assist to usage percentage is the lowest it's been since his second season in the NBA. His responsibilities have kind of tailed off. And so you can understand why he would be upset. And you can understand why it might please him if they have to shake up the offensive hierarchy and he gets more of the high value possessions where he gets screen help and they design more actions for him. But basically the point is that OG Ananobi is extremely good. You can, even though it's been disappointing a little bit so far, how he's grown as a creator, you can still somewhat expect development in that end, especially since he's just degrees away from being good at some things that he currently isn't. You're never that far away in the NBA. Something needs to click. If that's the case and that makes him happier, great. But you want to keep this guy on because he's young. He's close to Scotty's age, or at least the closest of the meaningful core members on the Raptors that are talked about by Masai and Bobby. And he's another good player that you don't want to have to have leave the Raptors. You want to keep good players on your team. You don't want to reset and kick the can down the road, especially not with a guy who's 25. That's a guy with Fred or Pascal, you can say, well, the age doesn't really work out if you want it to. I'm not saying that's necessarily true, but you could. With OG, the age is close enough that it's just about him being a really impressive NBA player, and you want to keep him along with Scotty Barnes so that they can grow together and win games together. Now, why you would trade OG Ananobi is that he has a lot of years left on his contract relative to Fred and relative to Gary. A full year, which means he's way more valuable to teams trying to trade for him. He's also just flat out the most valuable player there to other teams given his skill set. You also have to believe that he is absolutely upset about his role and that you have very little chance of keeping him on in the coming years. And if you are going to trade him, you don't want to trade him next trade deadline. You don't want to trade him in the summer because that means less term on his contract and that means that teams get less of him when they trade for him. If you want to get the full value of OG Ananobi, you do it at this trade deadline. He's also extremely valuable. You can't deny that what teams are offering up or what's rumored to be offered up is a lot. And if this Raptors team wants to be able to just quickly move a guy and get a whole bunch of assets in return, then it seems like OG is their best opportunity at doing that. If he is unhappy, if you as the organization believe that the returns on creation are going to keep being dismal the way that they have been, and they're going to stagnate and plateau, and this is where his development kind of sits for a long time, then I can understand why you would want to trade him to a team that's more bought in on his potential, or perhaps really wanting, as we said, to cement themselves as a contender. They want to put themselves over the edge, or they want to cement themselves as a very good team, which he can do. But if there's an opportunity to get a team to overpay with perhaps an ensuing bidding war coming, who knows what happens as far as that goes. That would be the motivator for trading OG Ananobi. Anyway, that's all the info. That's all the gab, the latest version of it. I've been Samson Folk. Thanks for tuning in and listening to me. If I missed anything, let me know in the comments. And also, I suppose, let me know who you would trade and why. Um, be very interested to see. 
Thanks for tuning in. Uh, have a blessed day and goodbye.